Well, good morning, church. Well, I hope some of you can relate to this, um, but I have a bad problem of really liking to do everything myself. Is there anyone else out there like that? Yeah. And so I've been like this since a young age, um, but just for one example, well, there will be a couple different examples this morning, but for one example, um, when I was at the college, I was helping in the admissions office, and for whatever reason, it's a college, I don't know, they needed 200 balloons blown up for some event they were having. And so I was like, I've got this, you know, give this to me, I can take care of this, I'll get it done. And so I started, you know, like I played tuba in high school uh, for a little bit. So I was like, you know, I've got the air support, you know, I can handle this. And, and, and so I started doing this. And I, about the time lunchtime hit, I had hit around 60 balloons that I had aired up by myself. Um, and so I was sitting there and I was going to get up for lunch. And I went to stand up and I was so lightheaded that I almost came straight back down to the floor. Um, and so it was, it was bad. And so some guy in the office saw this and he's like, okay, Jed, you need to take a break. We're going to try this a different way. And, and so he grabbed the packs of balloons and he brought them into the cafeteria with us. Um, and as people were waiting in line uh, for their lunch, he just handed them a balloon each. He just, you know, one or two and went down the line and said, hey, blow a couple of these up. And so it took me around 45 minutes to blow up those 60 balloons. And I was pretty proud. I was like, I'm doing good. And then about five minutes to do the other 140 with everyone in the lunch line helping. But I don't know what it is about humans, but I think this is true that at times we can just be these stubborn people who, are, who just insist on doing things ourselves. And I think the reason is that that feeling of accomplishment, of when you get done with something, be able to look back and say, you know, I, I did this myself. Um, and it starts from a young age. You see little kids do this all the time. Uh, you know, they're working on some drawing or craft with Play-Doh or making mud pies. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, they don't want you to help. Like, no, I've got this. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, what do they do when they get done? They run up and say, hey, look, Mom, look, I did this all by myself. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, you know, it's supposed to be a T-Rex, kind of looks like a llama. You're like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but for kids, you know, learning to do things on their own is a good lesson. It's good to be independent. But at some point, they also have to learn the lesson of how to ask for help, of when they can't do things on their own. So as Mike said in the, in the video, we're in this series called Little Big Words. And so we're going to, there's one word that we're looking at, and it's the word unless. And so it's this little word that we find in Scripture ever so often, but it completely changes the ways that we read the verses that we find it in. And so the first uh, passage of Scripture that I want to look at this morning is in the book of Psalms. Psalms 127 We'll be looking at verse 1. If you are using a pew Bible this morning, it's on page 430. I'll give you a second to turn there. So Psalms 127 uh, verse 1 says... Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. 
This verse is not saying it would be wise to include God in the things that you do. But our little big word of the morning, the word unless, changes how we look at this verse. It changes it into a conditional statement. It's saying, unless you do this, you're not going to get this. And so, um, as in, if you don't include God in the things you do in your life, then you are doing them in vain. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. It's a conditional statement. And this is true about every aspect of our life. Your career, your family, your friends, the big decisions that you make in your life and the small daily decisions that you have to make. If we do not allow God to be a part of it, then we are doing these things in vain. And what I mean by that is not that you can't do these things. It's not that you can't accomplish things. It's not that you can't live your life not allowing God to help you. You know, we can definitely make that happen. We can make decisions on our own. But it doesn't always work out the way we'd think it would if we make that decision. So recently, Sammy and I have been working on redoing our living room. And so we've been painting and reorganizing. And, and something that we've wanted ever since we moved in uh, were two end tables for our living room. And so I decided to take upon myself, I'm going to build this. I, I'm going to make these end tables myself. You know, how hard can it be? It's an end table. you got a top and four legs and you're good, right? Well, it's not that easy, as I found out. So Sammy really likes the rustic type of look of things, and so we had some boards that we had from replacing the trim on our garage, and so I took those, and I was able to, this is actually it, this is the, the table that I made. Um, I don't want to put too much weight on it. Um, but, so we took some old trim, as you can see, it's old, it's worn, it's rustic, uh, and I was able to fasten those together with boards on the bottom, and it kind of came out right. It turns out I can't cut a straight line with a circular saw to save my life. Um, and so I had to sand the edges to kind of get the edges lined up and straight. And, um, and I thought that was going to be the hard part. I did not realize how hard it is to put legs on something. So my original idea was, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to take two screws and I'm going to go through the top of the table into the leg. Now, even with decent math and measuring skills, this, this turned out to be so much harder than I ever thought it could be, especially when you're trying to put on the first leg, and so you're like trying to hold the table while the leg stands there and put a screw through the top of it. And so I did it. Okay, I, I, was, I managed to put eight screws into four legs on, through the top of my table, and the table wobbled, and the legs weren't attached very well, and it just didn't work out at all. And I drilled too far deep with my screws and put holes through the top of my table. And so it was just, it wasn't working out. Like back to the drawing board. And so this one, um, I used metal braces. You might be able to see the L-shaped braces or whatever. I was like, this is going to be much easier. It's going to hold them better. It's going to be easier to get my legs straight. You know, all, all No. Still so much harder than I ever could imagine. Trying to hold a leg, a brace, and a drill all at the same time, I don't have enough arms for that. Um, and so, so this is what we ended up with. You know, I, I accomplished my goal, right? I, I did. I built a table. It stands kind of, as long as you don't breathe on it. Um, 
But this is, you know, this is what I get. It's wobbly. It's got holes in it. I split a couple of the legs because I didn't drill pilot holes before I put my screws in. Um, and now in our living room, we have two end tables that we bought from Hobby Lobby. <laughs> but that's what I get for trying to do it my way. You know, I was, I was sure. I was like, I can accomplish this. You know, there was no doubt in my mind that I could get this done, and I did. I built a table. But the final product was nowhere near what it could have been if I would have had help. And think about it. How often do we go throughout our day barely giving a thought to God's will and some of the decisions that we make? I know I'm super guilty of this. It's really easy to include God in the big decisions, the ones that completely can alter our life. But what about those daily small decisions that you make? Who would think that God might direct us in a different way home from work one day? Or that instead of going through the drive through at McDonald's, that we should go into the restaurant? But maybe on that different route home, you'll come across someone with a flat that you can help. Or maybe if you go into that McDonald's, you can have a pleasant conversation with an employee that can completely change their day around because we know they're not treated well. We don't know exactly where God's going to lead us. But because of this verse in Psalms, we know that if we trust God and allow him to help us, it will be more fulfilling and the final product will be better than some wobbly table. But it's as, if, it's as if at times we tell God, you know, it's my way or the highway. You know, I'm going to do it my way, and there's nothing you can do to change my mind. It's okay, God. I've got this one. I can handle this. I can build a table. And this, this attitude has permeated in our culture for a long time now, actually. Um, one of my favorite singers is Frank Sinatra. Any other Sinatra fans? A couple. Wow. <laughs> Um, I, I love oldies, and he has this super catchy song. It's one of his uh, signature songs, and, and I have this bad problem not paying attention to lyrics, and so one day I was actually like reading the lyrics of this song, and I was like, wow, this song has an awful message. And, and so I want you to check out a clip of this song. It's called My Way. Can you feel the arrogance and pride just oozing from that song? Uh, even though this became one of his signature songs, um, Frank Sinatra did not write this. He had a friend who wrote it for him. He hated performing the song because of the number of times that people requested it and that the message that it sent. Um, this song um, is, is kind of one of the anthems of the world right now. When it first came out, 
it spent 122 weeks as one of the top songs in the UK. 122 weeks. And it is still one of the most popularly requested songs at funerals. And the other fact I found about this song is apparently this is not the one that you want to do karaoke in the Philippines. As there have been 12 cases of people being murdered for doing poor performances of this song. That's crazy. Like, people take this song so seriously. And, it, and it's because this idea of doing it our way, it, it defines our culture. You know, that your, your life is a, is a success no matter what if you can say you did it your own way. But our verse this morning is warning us against this mentality. It's saying, yes, you can live your life making decisions on your own. But will the final product be as fulfilling and as good as it could have been with God's help? And as I said, this is true in every aspect of our life. The final product of our life will be so much better with God. And this includes our relationship with Jesus. And for that to make sense, let's go to our second passage of Scripture this morning, which is in John 6. John 6, we'll be starting in verse 35. Again, in the Pew Bibles, this is page 744. 744. Okay, starting there in verse 35, it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of the, all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is, is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. And at this, the Jews there, they began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say now, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. And very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. These people are struggling to understand who Jesus is. 
In their minds, Jesus is just the little boy from down the road that they've known their whole life. He's the one that they watched grow up. You know, in their minds, they're thinking, aren't you just the carpenter's son? The guy who could probably build a better table. (laughs) And that's what they see. And this is why Jesus is making this statement. And if you think about it, I mean, they're, they're processing it, you know. It would be weird to think about it. You know, if there's someone you knew that you grew up knowing, uh, you watch grow up, and there are all those, and they're saying, I'm the son of God. You'd be like, Meh. But what Jesus is explaining here with our little big word in verse 44, he explains why they don't recognize him. So I'll read verse 44 again. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. Just like in our passage in Psalms, uh, the word unless here turns it into a conditional statement. We can't come to Jesus unless God draws us to him. And this is not saying that our free will is imaginary, that you know, we came to Jesus because God made us. What Jesus is telling the people here is that the relationship with God is not what they think it is. That these Jews that Jesus is talking to, their relationship is not what they think it is. Because if they truly followed and knew the Father, then they would recognize the Son. And that's why they're doubting that he is the bread of life. I know last week, uh, Mike talked about uh, New Year's resolutions. That our righteousness is not a checklist. It's not a thing that you go about doing. But it is defined by our relationship with Jesus So how do you define your relationship with Jesus? How do we go about doing that? How do we define this relationship? Well, Mike was right. It's not about how many times we read our Bible in one day. It's not about how many times we pray. It's not about uh, how much we come to church in a month. It's not about the number of people that we help. Those Those are byproducts of our relationship with God. When we follow God, those are the things we do, but it's not how we define our relationship. The notion that we can deepen our relationship with Jesus by forcing ourselves into a routine of doing certain things is foolish. What Jesus is telling these Jews in John 6 is that the reason you don't recognize me is because while you are focused on upholding the law Perfectly, you missed what God was trying to do with the law. The law was designed for people to understand their shortcomings and their true need for God and a Savior. And instead, a lot of Jews had this mentality that we've been talking about all morning, that I can do this. I can do this myself. I can uphold every single commandment, and I'm going to do it down to the letter. And while they were trying to do this, the true purpose of what God was doing went And just flew right over their heads. And because of this, they have no clue who Jesus is. And they struggle to have a relationship with the Son of God. And likewise, we run the danger with this type of a mentality to make our relationship with Jesus look like this table. It's wobbly, poorly constructed, it's got holes in it, and could never withstand a substantial amount of weight. But as this passage shows, it's not about us. You see that throughout the Bible. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about what he can do in us and through us. 
our relationship with Jesus is not about just reading the Bible, but allowing God to show us the things that we couldn't have seen on our own in the Bible. It's not defined by just unloading all of our problems on God through prayer, but talking to him. Yes, talking to him, but then taking the time to listen and allow God to give us advice for our daily lives. It's not about coming to church because that's what Christians do. That does not define our relationship with God, but opening ourselves up on a Sunday morning to what God has done for us throughout the week to give thanks and praise back, to naturally uh, have that reaction when we see what God is doing in our lives. That is more God's way than our way. And helping people is not about doing it because the Bible says so. Please do not come up to someone and be like, yeah, you're welcome, glad I could help. You know, the Bible tells me I should do that. You know, like, that's not what Christianity is about. But it's about understanding the prompting from the Spirit that there is someone that we can show the love of God to. Being open to that type of thing. Those are a handful of ways that, that our relationship with Jesus, that our relationship with God is changed from doing it our way to doing it God's way. It's not about us. It's about opening ourselves up to what God can do with us. Because we can't come to Jesus on our own, but we can open ourselves up to allow God to draw us into him. And so that as the song goes... We can say one day, I faced it all, I stood tall, and I did it God's way. Because it's the best way, it'll be the most fulfilling, and it'll leave us with the best final product. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we want to come to you uh, this morning and open our hearts up to whatever you want to do in our lives to listen to you, to try and understand your will for our life in everything that we do, in our work, in our family, in the big decisions, in the small decisions, and even in our relationship with you, we want to listen to know how we can, how you can help us take us deeper and closer to you, to open our hearts up to that. You've done so much for us and you continue to do so much for us. Help us have the humility to ask for help because you know we need it. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.